WHHH FM Indianapolis. It's Indie Speaks. Your life matters. Hosted by Cameron Rill. Good morning, Indianapolis. 7.02. This is as warm as it's going to get on this Sunday, so enjoy it now. We've got a jam-packed show for you this morning here on Indie Speaks, including the ladies that wear pink and green. We'll tell you how they are honoring Dr. King on this three-day weekend. Plus, city councilor Joe Simpson checks in with his thoughts on the 100-day crime plan. We'll tell you what he has to say coming up around 7.20 and after 7.30. Some of IUPUI's black students are getting the attention of school leaders. We'll tell you what it is they say they want, and it's been promised to them for a very long time. All that and more coming up this hour on Indy Speaks. But first, let's get you caught up on this morning's top stories. Temperatures tonight could dip down into the negatives. This extreme cold is prompting the Salvation Army shelter at the Eagle Creek Community Center to stay open overnight. The shelter will not only provide guests with a warm place to stay, but will also provide guests with a hot meal and beverages. We'll have more on the forecast coming up. Four teens were injured when the car they were riding in on Saturday night crashed after fleeing police. The driver, a 19-year-old, was arrested on a charge of resisting law enforcement with a vehicle. According to Fox 59, Fisher's police say it all began when one of their officers spotted the car and attempted to stop the vehicle for a traffic violation. The driver reportedly took off and there was a brief chase. The driver of that car failed to negotiate a curve and ended up crashing into a utility pole near East 96th Street and Hazeldale Parkway. One female teen that was in the car was critically injured, but her condition has since improved. All five occupants were injured to some extent and taken to area hospitals. A Cumberland convenience store clerk was shot and killed during a robbery Friday evening. The shooting happened at the Cumberland Express Mart and Tobacco Outlet on East Washington Street around 7 p.m. The area is just east of the Washington Park Cemetery. The man killed has been identified as 25-year-old Monty Singh. Two black teens in mass reportedly fled the scene without taking anything after shooting the clerk. Two customers were also in the store but were not harmed. Hours later, IMPD says they caught up with three men matching the description of the robbers. They are now in IMPD custody. While right now they are not charged with the deadly robbery, police feel they have the robbers off the street. And in the forecast, we could see some light snow. Right now, the temperature is 22 degrees, but it will only plummet from here until the single digits. Monday's high will only be 12 degrees. Joining me now in the studio are Brooke Arnett Holman, Jordan Goins, Nicole Wilson from the Alpha Mu Omega chapter of Alpha Kappa Alpha Sorority, and Greg Stowers from Hashtag Lunchbag Indy. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Thank you for waking up and coming in here on an early, early, early Sunday morning. But you guys, guys and ladies are here on a mission. A lot going on tomorrow for you. Uh, first, tell us about how you will be honoring Dr. King tomorrow. Yes, so Alpha Mu Omega of Alpha Kappa Alpha Sorority Incorporated um, has gladly partnered with Hashtag Lunchbag Indy, Walmart, Real Taste Catering, and Tinley Collegiate Academy to feed over a 1,000 members of the community. So on Monday, we will be having two programs for our Tinley families um, to honor Dr. Martin Luther King, and we'll have special guests. We're having Gary Brackett, Asante Children's uh, Theater, and um, the Tinley Choir. And then also we will be having a drive through from 1030 to 1130 outside the school for members of the community to come and pick up lunches 
Um, this allows them just to come up in their cars, tell how many lunches you need, and then they can drive off. And then also, hashtag Lunch Bag Indy, and um, some volunteers will be going out into the community and delivering to local shelters like the Day Springs, Julian Center, and the Shalom Healthcare Center. And then also, we're going to be walking around downtown and giving lunches to the um, homeless as well. You got a lot of kids who are going to be out of school tomorrow. Can they stop by and get a lunch or bring a parent and, and get something to eat tomorrow? Of course. So we will be at Tinley, like I said, and everyone is welcome. Since we know that kids are out of school and they are missing that meal, we want to help feed them that day. And that follows under our um, family strengthening initiative under Alpha Kappa Alpha Sorority. Greg, how does all this work on your end? Well, we started um, here in Indy uh, a couple of years ago, but there was a break um, for, for about 10 months. And I got involved, um, and we started off with 10 volunteers. There are now uh, upwards of 50, um, and this just started as a way for young adults to give back in a way that was simple uh, but fun. Uh, we all have, um, we all don't have the time necessarily to give back, so this just gives young adults uh, an avenue to, to do that. The ladies of Alpha Cap Alpha Sorority, um, how did this all come about? There are always things that you ladies do to give back to your uh, different communities. How did you come up with this idea? Hop over to this mic. That one doesn't isn't working very well. Live radio people. <laughs> this idea actually came through our corporate office. It's one of our initiatives. We have six impact days throughout the year, and one of our impact days is the Martin Luther King Day. And we have to do something, um, and we're charged with doing something to serve the community that strengthens families. So we are often involved in feeding the homeless, as well as um, our seasonal wraps initiative, which provides um, scarves and hats to those who are in need. So this is being done all around the United States for Alpha Kappa Alpha Women on Martin Luther King Day. So for tomorrow, you have multiple things that will be going on. Uh, it's not just giving out lunches. You have several speakers that are coming um, and different uh, among your other sponsors that will come out to help. Tell us the lineup um, again for what they can expect when they do come out to get a lunch. Yes, so you will come out and get a lunch, um, and then we will have a program, which includes Tinley Collegiate um, Choir. We also will have the Asante Children's Theater performing, and then Gary Brackett will be giving an inspirational message. And then we also will have Tony Sticks, who will be doing a spoken word piece. Um, we also have lined up the Button Nose Kids will be there. We'll have um, an undergrad chapter of Alpha Kappa Alpha Sorority, which is Kappa Chapter, which is the citywide chapter of Indianapolis. They'll be coming out and doing a um, little performance. And then also we will have um, just another motivational speaker, um, one of our sorority sisters, Ellen Lane, who will also be speaking. And then we're also going to be doing a read-along for the children, um, something about Dr. Martin Luther King. And prizes will be given away as well. AKAs, I think, have always um, been classy. Um, that's what I always think. Uh, think always for like Felicia Rashad, different ladies like that. Um, and this is one of those opportunities where you uh, will be mentoring other up and coming uh, women within the sorority. Um, explain how that relationship works and what it is. And maybe, Brooke, um, you can tell. Um, what it's like, because um, you're very active when you were at Ball State, um, what it's like 
to get this type of mentorship and relationship? Um, I believe that is very important to not only um, stand as like a guiding light to younger women, but also just children in general. Um, mentorship is very, very important. I'm actually a second grade teacher, so anything you do and say, you know, children are always watching, and they are the greatest imitators, and they are always going to keep it real. So you got to just step with the best foot forward and always put forth effort that, you know, you will see regenerated. Where are you a second grade teacher at? Vision Academy at Riverside. Shout out to Vision Academy yeah, this shout morning. Out to <laughs> so, uh, Greg, uh, you do this not just today, but year round. Tell me some of the other things that you might have going on, other initiatives, and maybe if people can help you throughout the year, how can they do that? Uh, well, it's it's all uh, grassroots. So, uh, we have a pretty strong Facebook um, Facebook group, and um, it just kind of grows. I mean, like I said, it was it was started to give young adults. Uh, just something to do outside of going to work or going out. Um, and we've, we've grown a lot just based off that model in itself. Um, there really isn't any kind of membership. It's just kind of, you know, come out, pack some bags, and let's go feed some people. According to this information, in 2015, the Housing and Community Development Authority reported that nearly 6,000 Hoosiers were without home. So in tomorrow, what you ladies and Greg will be doing is to help feed a 1,000 members of that community just here in Indianapolis. How can this effort continue beyond just tomorrow on Dr. King Day? I think there need to be steps. Um, I mean, you can give you can give a man a fish and he'll eat for a day, um, or you could teach him. Um, and I think f- what we do, um, hashtag lunchbag, and I'm, I'm really thankful for my partners uh, just in terms of um, a coordinated effort, but um, it's bigger than just a meal. Um, I mean, there, there are definitely some some areas around Indy that um, lack food. Uh, there was the, the closing of the double eight food uh, pantries. And that was one of the, the things for me that really um, highlighted the need for for something. Uh, I know there had been a lot of talk about, um, you know, initiatives and legislation um, that could go into that. Uh, but for me, I needed to do something, um, you know, to give back. And um, I think continuing the conversation, but also um, doing something uh, really means a lot and makes more of an impact. For you ladies of AKA, uh, tell me personally for you, when you are out doing these events, it is not just something that you go do, uh, but it's something that you get invested in and something that you really enjoy. Tell me why. Well, personally, I think um, the reason I joined AKA is because I realize it's bigger than myself and we are big on service Um, to all mankind so we believe in giving back and also know that um, the homeless and a lot of people are hungry and so we are all about service and giving back like I said so donating our time and giving to the community is something um, that we understand is big to us and we should also mention that you are just not giving out lunches but tomorrow will be one of the coldest days so far this season but you'll also be giving hats and gloves and I think a few other things. Yes, right? so our seasonal wraps committee um, under our chapter, Alpha Mu Omega, we will be donating um, hats and gloves and scarves, which a lot of them are homemade, and then we'll also have donations. So not only will people be getting a lunch, like you said, they'll be also getting either a hat, a scarf, or glove, and it's really for the homeless and for when we drop off things to the shelter, and we have over 500 hats, scarves, and gloves that were donated to give. 
So will you? is the plan to give all that out tomorrow at one place or will yes. you go to different locations? We're going to different locations. So Day Springs, Julian Center, um, Shalom Healthcare Center, and then also when we're walking around downtown, giving to those as well. As we get ready to wrap up here, um, I would just ask all of you, um, is this your first time doing this particular event? So ironic. Yes, it is. Well, how did you come up with this idea? Uh, I know a lot of people are always looking for ways that they can give back in the community. And, of course, um, there are always negative things to say. Uh, But it is always good to start off on a Sunday morning with good people out doing good things. So how did you come up with this particular idea? You know, we just had a few conversations and um, thought about what we could do to make an impact. And um, there are a lot of food deserts, as you mentioned earlier, Mm -hmm. within our city cold and we just kind of put that combination together we sought out a great partner who was already doing similar work and um, that was with hashtag lunchbag indianapolis so just from having different conversations and assessing the needs that are in our community we were able to come up with this idea and i'm glad that it came together greg um what are some other things that you guys are are working on doing some other um Again, areas that you might need help going on throughout the year. How can people get in touch with you, sign up, or donate, whatever? Um, well, my name is, is all over uh, Facebook, and um, areas where, where we need help is, is, is comes with coordination. Um, there are, as you said, you know, 6,000-some-odd homeless people around um, Indianapolis, and coordinating the effort really, um, really hits home um, and makes the biggest impact. So... We'll get a lot of volunteers. We'll get a lot of uh, a lot of donations. Um, but what we really need is, you know, the ability to find people um, and find people not only um, in the shelters but just around India. I mean, there there are numerous locations where um, the homeless reside, um, and and we try to make sure that we're we're hitting all those targeted areas. So um, any kind of coordination and, and organization in terms of reaching out to different partners and uh, sponsorships uh, definitely definitely helps. Okay, and uh, Jordan, give me that information again for tomorrow. What does everybody need to be, what time, and again, what to expect for those who are just tuning in? Yes, so tomorrow at Tinley Collegiate Academy, which is located off of 38th Street, we will be having two programs starting at 1145 is when the first program will start, 130 for the second program. We welcome families to come and celebrate Dr. Martin Luther King's legacy. We'll have prizes, lunches, and special performances. And then also we will be having a drive-through from 10.30 to 11.30 a.m. outside of the school where people are able to come and pick up lunches, um, as many as they need. And then also we will be going to shelters around the city, Day Springs, Julian Center, Shalom Healthcare Center. And then we will be also walking around the city and donating lunches with seasonal wraps, scarves, hats, and gloves. And that is all tomorrow. That's the ladies who wear pink and green from the AKAs, the Alpha Mu Omega chapter from here in Indianapolis. Thank you, ladies, for coming in. And Greg Stowers from hashtag Lunchbag Indy. Thank you so much. Again, uh, we'll have all that information on where you can go and what time, what you'll be doing on our website at IndieHipHop.com. Still to come this morning, City Councilman Joe Simpson checks in with his thoughts on the 100-day crime plan. That's something you've heard us talk a lot about here on the show. And he's got some rather loud or different opinions on what he thinks needs to be done in the 100 days or not done. 
in the next 100 days. We'll talk to him on the Andy Speaks Live line coming up in a few moments. Again, ladies, thank you for coming in. Greg, thank you for coming in. Everyone, we'll be right back. More of Indy Speaks is coming up right here on Hot 96.3 Indy Station for all hip-hop and R&B. And now, the Ricky Smiley Morning Show, 6 to 10 tomorrow, right here. Yo, what's up? It's your man, Ann Paris, and you checking out my good friend, Cameron Riddle, right here on Hot 96.3 at the new show for the community, Indie Speaks. Holla! And we're back live this morning on Indie Speaks. Good morning to you. I'm Cameron Riddle. Joining me on the phone right now is City County Counselor Joe Simpson. Uh, and we've been talking a lot uh, about Indy's 100-day crime plan that was introduced by our newly elected mayor, Joe Hogsett, uh, about two weeks ago. Uh, and Councillor Joe Simpson has had some uh, strong opinions. You've heard him here on several of our stations giving his perspective on what it is that he thinks needs to be done in the n- next 100 days. Uh, and some of his opinions may sound a lot like yours. So, Councilman Joe Simpson, good morning. Good morning. I've heard you over the, na- over the past uh, two weeks or so. Um, and you have given a different perspective that I've heard from anyone um, on um, this 100-day crime plan, which is, of course, supposed to put more um, police officers back into the local communities. It is also supposed to um, tackle uh, getting 1,400 um Folks here in Indianapolis with warrants for violent crimes off of the streets and among other things, including putting uh, more services into um, areas that need help with poverty and uh, continuing to uh, give out food and education services here in Marion County. So those are some of the big initiatives from the mayor. And I've heard you quite vocal on this entire thing. So tell me why. Uh, one reason is because um, the first thing I heard that was um, a little upsetting to me that the um, Chief Riggs said that uh, uh, they were going to attack or arrest 1,400 people. And there's only about less than 150 spaces in the, in the jail system. And that jail system is already at capacity most of the time. And the problem I had with it was when they were talking about this, they were showing the face of a lot of uh, blacks. Uh, Black Lives Matter for me. And the problem I had was that we're not going to be the face of crime here in the city as though we, the the black community, is the reason why all these crimes, uh, the city is looking like the criminal element. When, uh, in fact, they won't even talk about, uh, I got a coroner report here, and I'm looking at it right now, which showed me 268 people died of overdose. And the majority of those are white. Uh, 32, may, 32 of them were black. And I'm saying, if you got 268 people dying, and then you got 144, and even on this um, uh, corner report, it reflects 168 people 
uh, got killed uh, in homicide last year, and and uh, even though the majority of those were black, uh, but the point is, is that we need not to be the blacks need not to be the face of crime around here when you got heroin coming into the city, and the fact is, is that heroin overdose costs taxpayers money. Death, I'm sorry to say, you know, people get killed, they have funerals, and it's all the burden on the families which have to deal with this. But when you got this heroin overdose, one of the reasons that I was very vocal about it was that when I first got on the council, uh, guardian ad litem is where kids are are either uh, taken from their parents or they decide they want to leave their parents. And at that time, it was like $3 million in our budget uh, in which the court system would handle that, and which is basically the juvenile system. And so at the end of this year, 2015, we were spending over $12 million, which means there was an increase of like $9 million, $8 million. And the reason is because of this heroin overdose. And the issue is, what is costing the taxpayers money? I mean, we're taking $8 million out of a juvenile system that is already overburdened. And the state pay a portion of that, but they don't pay enough. And the point is, is that now, uh, within the last week or so, now I hear them talking about, oh, we need to spend more money to help these people um, uh, uh, from overdosing and see if we can get the needle exchange and everything. But crack cocaine was here. The word was used by national to the local that we will arrest all the people who are using crack cocaine. The majority of crack cocaine was us. We are going to jail. Very seldom you hear of anybody when when uh, dealing with heroin. Heroin is a is more serious and costs this city more money than anything else. I, I, I the other point is is that they want to solve and really get serious. Uh, is that they're going to have to stand on those corners where those guys at and rather being trying to, you know, arrest them and stuff is to talk to them and find out what is it that they want to do. What is it that they, they need? I mean, to talk about food, that, once again, it's nice to talk about food and bringing services, but those services are already out there. So, Joe, the church, look, go ahead. L- let, me, let me ask you this, Councilman. Um, for those who don't know necessarily how the system works, um, there are people on the council whose job it is to tackle these particular issues. In our case, that person is not you. For those not familiar, explain why. Now, say that question one more time. There are people who are appointed uh, to the city council to handle these topics that you have been very vocal about. So people, but it's not actually you. Uh, explain to people why that is and what that process is, because as far as being in this community and on these stations, you're the person that everyone seems to hear from on this issue. I, I don't know why. You know, I don't have a clue, but I think people are beginning to understand that there is a bigger issue in this community. And and I mean, you got, the, you know, you got the whole city of Indianapolis and people work there. A lot of them are no. It was like people were telling me on the police department that homicide, I mean, uh, suicide was just even bigger. You know, there were people committing suicide. I mean, there are things in which we should know as a community, rather than paint a picture of the homicide, 
we should paint a picture of what this city, what I'm saying is be fair about it, be open about it, and tell the truth that, you know, not only is homicide one of them, but the other part is is that you got you got suicide, you got overdose, you got a lot of other crime going on in this city. And it's not our faith that are involved in these crimes. And I'm saying that if you're going to be fair, and I'm going to be very vocal, and I'm going to stay vocal, that you are not going to use blacks in this city to make it look like we are the criminal element around here. Well, you know, if the media want to continue to show that, then let them show it. But why don't they show the overdose? What they do show, and the people that don't want to speak, which is what they see and what they show on TV is that, oh, we're helping people with overdose or heroin. Why don't you talk about all the people that are being arrested by heroin? And you never hear of that. And all I'm saying is let's be honest and fair so that we in this community understand there's a bigger problem just uh, killing that uh, homicide, that there's a overdose problem, there's a heroin problem. And, and it's not in, I mean, we have blacks that are doing heroin. And of that overdose, uh, people that overdose on heroin, it was only 32 blacks that overdose. Okay, well, since we're being honest and about what's happening in our own community and our own image, do we, do you feel that we as a community, as a black community, as an urban community, our urban areas have problems? Sure, other communities have problems, but at some point we still have to look at ourselves and see that maybe some of this is going on in our communities. Unfortunately, as you said, a lot of what we see on the news is that of our black males. I read a story this morning about uh, some black males involved in a robbery and now um, a murder. Um, don't we yeah, still and, have a problem? Yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah, that's a problem. I mean, they need to show it. To show what else is happening in all the other people communities. You know, how many overdose they had. You know, how many people they found. They want to talk about this killing. And killing is not the face of, of this city overall crime problem. And the issue for us in our own community is that we have to, um, the position that I'm in, I'm going into where I grew up at over on Clifton, which is right off between Dr. Marcus King. I'm glad to go over there because when I grew up over there, we took care of that community over there. And what I'm saying to all the people out there that listen to me is that we need to start taking care of our community. What I mean is come out and clean. The thing, issue that bothers me is that when we ride, when I ride around in the city, and I ride very frequent, our community looks just the way that they think is, that we should live, like, we, like we're in some bad position. We need to clean our, our community up first and show people that we care about our community. We need to make sure that, you know, our, our elderly get taken care of. We need to care about each other in a way that, you know, provide. We need to make sure uh, we clean clean uh, the community up in a way that everybody is feeling better about themselves rather than saying, this is the way we're going to accept ourselves to live. No, it's not. I didn't grow up that way. And I think that, you know, as a person who, who struggled just like everybody else, a family of seven at that time living in a house where we all stacked in two bedrooms, all I'm saying to you is, is that, and the listening audience is that we got to start caring. My whole 
issue my my saying for the rest of my term this year uh, is that we're going to have to clean our community up. When you drive down in in a black community, I want the people to see the streets, the the housing, everything cleaned up. I'm looking to help we get some summer jobs over in that Clifton area, working with some guys, working with some of the guys that live in that in that community that grew up in that community. To clean that whole area up. Our job is this summer is to employ kids and people to help us to clean that, that neighborhood up, board up the houses, and just start there. I mean, you can come up with all kind of issues after that, but I think that the issue is, and the, the reason is, we don't get the jobs. On the mayor ballot administration, they did not deal with minorities at all. They okay. talked a good game, and they didn't. Well, Councilman, I'm hoping. Go ahead. I said we'll have to uh, stop it there for now because we are out of time, but we will continue that issue of summer jobs on a later date because before you know it, it's cold now, but it'll be summer in just a moment. Uh, thank you for coming on this morning. We're out of time, but as you said, there may be issues going on in other communities, but first, we also have our own problems in our own communities that we need to address. Councilman Joe Simpson, thank you for calling in this morning. Thank you. Still to come this morning, those students from IUBUI who have gotten the attention of school leaders will tell you what it is they want and exactly how they're doing it. They've been successful so far. We'll continue that conversation on the other side of this break. This is Indy Speaks. I'm Cameron Riddle on Hot 96.3. Join the conversation and let your voice be heard by dialing in and calling 239-9696. Now back to Indie Speaks, Your Life Matters with Cameron Rich. And we're back live this morning on Hot 96.3. This is Indie Speaks. Good morning to you. I'm Cameron Riddle. It is 745 on a chilly Sunday, only getting cold from here. 22 degrees right now in Indianapolis. The rest of the day will struggle to stay above 10 degrees later today in this rest of the show something we've been talking about something you might have heard uh, about on television or read in the indianapolis star this week some of iupui's students of color some of your black friends who may go to iupui have made their voices heard they are asking questions and they are working on getting answers to a long-standing conversation that has been happening on campus. Across the nation, we have seen uh, different events, uh, including what happened at Mizzou, um, that brought racial tension. In turn, students were asked to reflect on their own campuses. We did that at Ball State, where I went to school. Uh, They're doing it at IUPUI. At Ball State, in the past year, we've had our own big stories that had to do with race and um, calling attention to a topic that we actually do not talk enough about. Um, so we'll do that this morning here on Indie Speaks. And joining me in the studio for that conversation is Kasha Hayden, Raven Rajel, and Herbert Matuba, all students from IUPUI. Good morning to you. Good morning. So I first read about this um, in the Indianapolis Star, courtesy of uh, Justin Mack. So um Good work on this report, uh, Justin. Then I contacted uh, Raven um, about what is going on at IUPUI. And to be clear, I don't think we are on the verge of anything like what happened at Mizzou right now. <laughs> but it's just to start a conversation um, that 
it's just not had often, whether it be at any of our um, college campuses, all of which our major universities here in in Indiana happen to be predominantly white. Uh, At times, the other groups of students who go to the schools are not heard and are a lot less vocal, but not the case at IUPUI. Raven, you've been in uh, the forefront of all of that. I've been in the forefront because I'm the president of the Black Student Union, but honest to goodness truth, if it wasn't for the people that you see here right now, Kasha, Herbert, our advisors, and everyone else in the Black Student Union, it would not be as strong as it is. It honestly wouldn't for the simple fact is we are collective, and we are collective unit that we believe in the issues that we stand behind. We believe that this is a conversation that has that it should have been had a long time ago mm-hmm. and it should have continuously been had. I think that consistency is what made the tensions build up the way it is today. So tell me, what is that tension? What is the conversation that needs to happen? The conversation is that the African-American recruitment and retention rate is bad at IEPUI. And it's bad across the board for other groups, but the focus in this community on a campus particularly unique when it comes to black issues. Remember that this community was gentrified for that university. Remember that the blacks here have, we have more black students on our campus than any other campus in the state. So when you're speaking about our particular community, you have unique characteristics that we need a special type of support. And when you're talking about getting us to graduate getting us to remain at the university um, and come to the university, then you need to look at how students feel. Do they feel that support? Do they feel as if their voices, their concerns, and their frustrations are being heard? Some of those frustrations is that time and time again, there's been a conversation about having a black cultural center on campus. You have a multicultural center on campus. Some people are asking, what's the difference? difference is a black cultural center is specific to the concerns of the community of the black community. The multicultural center encompasses multiple organizations. It's not just us. So when it comes to that, you're talking about helping my community, that particular center is not just for blacks. Mm -hmm. It helps us. It can be beneficial, but there are other organizations and that taxes the administration of the multicultural center. They're focusing on everybody, and in focusing on everybody, you lose the specific. Casher mm-hmm. or Herbert, do you guys have anything to add? Well, I was just going to say that along with what you said, having a black cultural center will not just be a building. It will be where our library is housed because we do not have a library just specific for African-American literature and things that have to do with our history. A lot of our history was lost. We didn't have a place to go back to to get our history. Mm -hmm. So what others have, we don't have. And so we need a place to have a collection of our literature and also just a safe space to speak because there are issues Mm -hmm. that concern us that no one else has to deal with. Other races don't have to or on pressure to speak a certain way in order to be accepted. Yes. You can have, you can be from any other country and your accent is accepted. But when you are black in this community and at this university, you have to almost take on a valley girl type of 
persona. Right. Tone in order to be accepted or you're ghetto or you are uneducated. So it's just having a safe space space to think about or and to discuss things that are important to us like even something as simple as hair you know mm-hmm. that that's something that's unique to us mm-hmm. is there in the community of course IUP wise working on um its overall image and connecting with the the areas surrounding it but inside campus just some of the things you were talking about um there is is there anything that is catered uh, to you, of course, you can't go to the same store and get the same kind of hair care products as our blonde friends. Um, that can be, um, that can be a pain. Yeah, very much. So, yes. I don't believe that there's I, any. I, I won't say that there's nothing at the university that caters to us. There are organizations such as Deep. Okay, yes, Deep does, and um, SSS. Yeah. SSS, the Student Support Services, uh, was created so that first-generation college students would have a place to learn financial literacy, learn mm-hmm. the things that they need mm-hmm. coming to college. So while those things are catered to us, they're not just for us. And I was going to say as well as we all have to kind of find that place or that person that we mm-hmm. lean on. We don't have one specific place. Yeah. Mine is, I'm in the School of Education. I'm an elementary education major and I have a couple of faculty members that were former teachers. That is who I call. That is who I run to. I go to their offices and that is where I sit when I need to vent about frustrations, about mm-hmm. things that are going on on campus or things that are going on in my classrooms. And a lot of times they feel like their hands are tied because they're a minority on campus as well, so they can't really do anything, but they are there for us. So we are trying to get a support system because we are very vocal. Yes. But what about those people who can't, for whatever reason, speak up for themselves? So we're trying to represent them. And another thing is just like um, I've talked to um, our advisor, Dr. Turner, and she had uh, vocalized to me that there were some people who had graduated who didn't even know of the Black Student Union being in the Multicultural Center and Mm -hmm. there actually were like black faculty and staff that people could go and vent to and look for resources and that help and to find a sense of community and for you to be at an institution for four years and to not know of anything of that nature it's really like it really just like hurts you and like in your sense because most people uh, with it being a commuter school for IUPUI and um, also for it to be an institution where some people uh, will begin their journey there and then transfer to some other institution it it looks bad upon the university and and you start to ask those kinds of questions what the university is actually doing to, but I, to I help keep people stay there that support that both cash and herbert just spoke about is very important because just in the short time that we voiced that we are frustrated mm-hmm. let me tell you the goons have come out <laughs> to play mm-hmm. and they are students and faculty at our university so just the sheer fact that at this time they are coming out and they are being vocal it's like they've always been here so when we don't when we speak about that safe space we're speaking about the fact that it's always been attention there mm-hmm. and someone has just never stepped up and started voicing that there is attention well you can't really say that no one has never stepped up well, because not there have ever. been initiatives in the past yeah there have been have. initiatives it's just I apologize 
that they end up falling off mm-hmm. or things like yeah. that. Or and people graduate. Yeah, right. people and, graduate. And, and they do because mm-hmm. that's the that's the main goal is mm-hmm. to graduate and you know you leave those things behind. But also, I believe that some people are so used to what goes on there mm-hmm. that that's just a way of life. It's like yeah. well, this is the way it's always mm-hmm. been. We we're never heard or we never have these resources. We have to pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps and move on. So that's what we do. So people don't even realize that there's an issue until someone else raises the issue. Well, part of the thing with IUPUI, as you said, it's a commuter, for the most part, a commuter college. Is not There is not a large um, living on campus uh, community. Um, so with that, in a way, that makes sense why you don't see stores that cater to you in that area because it, it just never has been. As far as things on campus that um, have or have not been there for you. Uh, there is now a LGBTQ center uh, on campus. And it is my understanding that uh, a lot of people think that you want to take that away from them and make that the black culture center. No, that is completely <laughs> incorrect. We actually stand in solidarity with the LGBTQ um, Student Alliance and the group of LGBTQ on campus. The thing with that center is, first of all, there was a lack of transparency. It was announced on Twitter, and that's mm-hmm. how we as a university found out. Mm-hmm. Second, let's look at the fact that the conversation was had, and there was no intersectionality involving students of color who identify under that umbrella. So you're also lacking that sort of connection, mm-hmm. that merge. And then you're looking at the fact that um, when we had the Black Student Initiative about 10 years ago, um, the same resources that were allocated for that center, we were told were unavailable for us or that it was unfair to give a particular group a center because it would create a superiority complex. Mm -hmm. So when you fight for something and you're told, no, this is what you're going to get instead, can you compromise? And you come back to it and you reevaluate the situation and see... The resources are here. The time and money is here. So why are we not a priority? And I just want to add that when we found out about the LGBTQ Center, we had already revisited the Black Student Initiative Mm -hmm. months before then. We had already had some things in the works that we had wanted to bring up with the new chancellor and things like that. So once we found that out, about at the center, we were like, okay, you know, we really need to get in there and say something, but we were mm-hmm. already in the works on this. But people don't know that. They just go off of their own assumptions and they think yeah. it's a, I don't yeah. know, a matter of jealousy or we're whining or that we just want what we want because someone else got it. But it's just a matter of equity. Mm-hmm. And that's yeah. what we seek on campus. Well, uh, as, as you guys are raising these concerns, you have spoken with some school leaders. Um, in some way, shape, or form. Yes. Um, you were also on the air yesterday with the Chancellor on our sister station, WTLC AM. Um, and I think a lot of people were expecting some of these issues to be addressed. I saw that on Twitter. Oh, I got to listen to this. But that wasn't actually the case. That said, what have you guys been able to talk about? Um, as far as the interview yesterday or with... Overall, with you, the- you had a meeting on Friday. Then yes, the we did. interview just so happened to follow on Saturday. <laughs> It just so happened um, to follow on Saturday. No, it didn't just so happen. I believe that it was something they wanted to do before we went on the air, Mm -hmm. just in case we came on and said anything that 
you know, either shed some light on some bad things that were going on at IUPUI or just were not favorable for them. But I believe that the conversation that we had with the chancellor's op and and others in his office on Friday was a good starting point. There were a lot of things that they say that they've they've begun, but they just haven't told us. So we kind of voiced our opinions about the transparency again there that Mm -hmm. we we wouldn't have some of these issues if you had told us that this these are the things you have in works. Mm -hmm. So. I will say that it was a great starting point. We are supposed to have meetings with them every month. Yes. I, we will hold them accountable for that. And the chancellor said that he will as well. He that he's very open to everything that we listed as items that we believe that we need for support on campus. Mm-hmm. So we will kind of see where it goes from there. But I I strongly believe that we have to make sure that. We hold them accountable. Yes. And we have to groom whoever comes after us because we them. all plan on graduating. Mm-hmm. That whoever comes after us will do the same. Right. Absolutely, it, because it, I think that's something that's ha- that has been lost in passing down mm-hmm. um, from union to union for black population to black population. Hey, the work isn't done because we got a starting point. Or because we have a black president. Or because, because we have a black president. You have to consistently hold each other as a black community accountable and the administration as an administration accountable and in our our end we again have to like continue to realize that chancellor Paydar is new new on the scene Mm -hmm. he's been he's been here for now five to six months i believe and uh we do have to give him the chance the chance to actually like come in and come in with ideas and come in with like a plan of action and with a timeline and we are here to hold them accountable for that as well but to also be here as that student voice because a lot of the times administration take it upon themselves to go through a process in which they review data and information and then make decisions for us and then without us being a part of that conversation so within that meeting on friday we really did um we did stress the the fact that please have us in with these meetings with you we don't mind coming in and voicing our opinion and then going back to the community and relaying all of this information to them so that everyone is on the same page and then we can continue moving forward with the conversation. Well, as we wrap up, we are about out of time. But um, as we said, this is a process that has to continue on both ends. Uh, This happens at every university, all different organizations of when you have a good group of people like you who are hardworking to get something done when you graduate in May, Somebody in the spring has to continue and pick up where you left off because that is part of the problem. And also part of the problem is that your voices haven't been heard, but now your voices have been heard. What happens now is do they stick to what it is you guys eventually, we hope, will agree on? So we want you to come back and keep us updated on your progress before the end of the semester in May, before you go out and deal with your real real lives and your real careers after IUPUI. So thank you so much for coming on this morning. Uh, tell everyone who is interested, maybe IUPUI students, and just are now hearing about you, how they can get in contact with you very quickly. Our Instagram, IUPUI underscore VSU. You can look at us on Facebook, IUPUI Black Student Union. Our website, IUPUI.edu backslash tilt black, B-L-A-C-K-S-U. All right. 
They've got all theirs, and I'll link it up on mine on IndieHipHop.com, where you can go 24-7. We'll have this show up there in just moments. This is Hot 96.3. I'm Cameron Riddle. This time tomorrow, Ricky Smiley holding it down from 6 to 10 here on Hot 96.3. Tune in for that, and we'll be back same time, same station, next Sunday, live at 7.